Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I am delighted and excited to interview today, Kevin Eikenberry. Kevin, welcome to my show. Meredith, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to be here. You know, Kevin, I've got a formal introduction for you, but I do want my listeners to know that you and I go back to the early days of Twitter. I remember us getting connected there. It's probably been 10 or 11 years ago. And then I actually met you in person at a conference. And so we've known each other a long time. And I love the expertise that you have and that I'm going to be able to bring to my listeners now. So let me give your more formal uh, introduction and then we'll jump into questions that I've got for you about your brand new book. Kevin Eikenberry is a recognized world expert on leadership development and learning. He's, and I love your title, the chief potential officer of the Kevin Eikenberry Group, which he founded in 1993. And he's also the co-founder of the Remote Leadership Institute. Kevin has spent nearly 30 years helping organizations and leaders from over 40 countries in topics like leadership, learning, teams, teamwork, remote work, which is the topic today, communication, and a lot more. Twice he's been named by Inc.com as one of the top 100 leadership and management experts in the world, and he's been included in many other similar lists. He's the author, co-author, or contributing author to nearly 20 books, including his most recent one with Wayne Termel, and I recently interviewed Wayne about their first book, The Long Distance Leader, Rules for Remarkable Remote Leadership. And Kevin has a brand new book coming out in January called The Long Distance Teammate, Stay Engaged and Connected While Working Anywhere. His blog is consistently ranked among the world's best, most read, and most shared on leadership, and it's been visited over 4.5 million times. That's quite a remarkable record. In other words, Kevin is a content producer, (laughs) par excellence. Well, except that the book is not very thick, as you can tell. Uh, Yes, he has only the cover to show us right now for those of you listening. Because we don't have physical copies as we're having this conversation. I will have right. I will definitely have them before any of you see this. Yes. uh, Well, the other thing that makes Kevin, to me, an expert in this area of remote teams is he's led his own remote team for many years, and he works hard every day to help more leaders make a positive and a big difference in the world. And so, Kevin, what is so interesting to me as we jump into this is you've been into this whole area of remote leadership, remote teamwork for years before COVID hit. And so I'm curious, what is it, first of all, before we get into some of the details of your book, but what led you to see the opportunity here or the need here with organizations to focus on that aspect of work? 
Well, just because now everyone's become aware of it, Meredith, right, with COVID. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, the trend toward working remotely and more flexible work and more hybrid teams has been going on for a long time. It's not really new. It became new to an awful lot of people. It had a whole lot of leaders saying, I'll never do that or I don't ever want to do that, being forced to do it. But I think the reality is it's been going on for a long time. We've been moving in that direction. We saw those trends. I've been leading, as you said, a remote team or at least a partly remote team for a decade. And um, so when we, we came to the conclusion and created the Remote Leadership Institute, it was to support that trend and to support the leaders that were leading remotely uh, then. And obviously there are lots more of them now. Well, you also um, published the book on remote leadership a couple of years ago. And I'm just curious, what was it that caused you to say, hey, we need one for the individual team contributors here, not just for the leaders? Well, there's two answers to that question. There's, first of all, the missional answer, which is the world needed it because it's not just the leaders that need to shift team members need to shift. Now, we did decide to do this book before COVID came. In fact, we were finishing the manuscript. Uh, and in fact, at the very end, added a few lines, a couple of paragraphs, I guess, about COVID. Uh, so some said, well, you were prescient and you were thinking about this. And I was saying, well, I just wish the book came out in April of last year instead of January of this year. But so from, from a missional perspective, we knew that there were people working remotely and we knew that there was a big difference. And I think this is the big idea of the book, that there's a big difference between working from home and being an effective and committed teammate that happens to be remote. And so uh, we know and we've seen lots of people like I'm doing my job from home. Or I'm doing my job from Starbucks or whatever. And uh, there's just a difference between that and having the levels of collaboration and communication and trust and interpersonal relationships that lead to high performance that we're all really after. So there's that reason for the book. And then the second reason for the book was it was a logical next step from a sort of a, uh, from a commercial perspective from our business is that that was really the next big need that we saw. Mm-hmm. Well, you make a distinction in your title and also your description of teammate versus team members. So talk a little bit about why you chose the word teammate. Well, we chose the word teammate intentionally to your point. And I, here, here's, what it, here's what it means to Wayne and I, maybe not to anyone else. Uh, but to us, if you're a teammate, you have much more of a connection. Like if I'm your teammate, we're more connected. Uh, I'm more interested and invested in your success or our mutual success, I can be a member of a lot of teams. Like I'm a member, I can, you know, I can sign up, I can be a member. Uh, and, and I think that there are lots of people say, well, yeah, I'm a member of a team that of other people that I work, you know, they're on the same team as me. It's different than working with them. It's different than being a teammate where we're in this together. If you think sports teams, like their team mates, they're really coming at it with a common purpose. And so this, in the subtitle of the book, there are two really important words, Meredith, and those words are engaged and connected. And we find that unless people are conscious and doing some of the things we talk about in the book, again, they may be doing work, maybe even doing pretty good individual work at home, but are they truly engaged and are they connected to those around them? Well, I think those are two key words. And 
you cover so many important aspects in this book. In fact, I think leaders ought to read this book in addition to individual teammates. Yes, please. Well, so let me just say this about that point, and that is that if you're a leader, you're on a team. In fact, you're on more than one, right? You're on the team of your peers and you're on the team that you lead. And so I absolutely believe that the book is for leaders to read. It's not with their leader hat on, except for the very last chapter, but I agree with you hundred percent. And I'm not just saying that because we'd like to sell more books, but because quite honestly, if team members, teammates are reading the book and having some insights, then as a leader, I need to know what those are so I can support and encourage those things. But again, you're a member of the team as well. Right. So let's just imagine for a minute, you've got someone who is a teammate or wants to be a teammate. They're reading this book. And one of the key points that to me is a thread in there is taking personal responsibility, you know, for your role. So for someone who's reading this book that may not have a manager who's that engaged in or is not very comfortable, let's say, in managing a remote team, what could that individual teammate do on their own to get more engaged and be more connected with others on the team? Because that doesn't, seems like it doesn't necessarily require the leader to have to be setting the example for someone to do that. Better if they are, of course, right? Yes. But if they're not, uh, along with buying them a copy of the book, uh, no, in all seriousness, the, I think the big thing is that all of us have a responsibility for us. And if we see ourselves as a teammate, we have a responsibility to the rest of the team. I'm not suggesting that you try to usurp the role of leader. What I am suggesting is that everyone has a chance to be an influencer. And the best way to be an influencer is to be living those things yourself. So if you are, if you are working hard to be proactive and build trust, if you are working hard to make sure that you're meeting uh, your commitments, if you're working hard to continue to maintain and grow your relationships with the other members of the team, the other people that you work with, then, then you're doing the things that you're, you're walking the talk, if you will, that will lead to improving the chances that that gets better. And here's the beautiful thing. You benefit from that as much as the team does. And even if the leader's not coming along with you, um, you're still going to be in a better working situation when you do those things. And you're also probably setting yourself up to get promoted if that's what you want as well. So a key thing that you introduce is your three P's of remote work success. So talk about what those are and why those are so important. Well, so when we did some research leading up to the book, working with our clients and that sort of thing, uh, leading up to what were the key ideas that we wanted to share, we came up with this idea of the three P model. And the three P's are productivity, proactivity, and potential. And so if you think about those things in short, uh, we have to figure out how to be highly productive when we're working from home, apart from everyone else. And there's a whole bunch of challenges around that. So we talk about that. You must, if I were to say there's, what's the one thing that you must do if you want to be more effective as a member of a team that's dispersed, the single thing I would say is you've got to be more proactive because so many things that may have happened somewhat automatically or spontaneously or serendipitously when we're in the office don't happen anymore. So being more proactive about reaching out, about asking questions, about participating in meetings and a hundred other things. So 
proactivity. And then the third one is potential. The potential that you have to influence others, as we already talked about, the potential, thinking about your potential uh, and your future and how you can leverage and understand how to work remotely and still build your career from there. So those are really the three big areas of the book. And that's the model, productivity, proactivity, and potential. Mm -hmm. Those are great. And I'm curious your thoughts on a worker whose boss is not comfortable um, with remote workers because they're used to being able to check regularly or check in regularly. What do you recommend to someone who has had that kind of boss who seems to be uncomfortable not being able to see people on a regular basis? And trust them. You know, trust is such a core piece of this. Yeah. So, what I would say is this: that if that's your if that's your manager, your boss, your leader, then you, what what can you do to make them feel more comfortable? Well, you can make sure you truly understand what they need and what they expect, and then you can do everything you can to make sure you're delivering that. And so. Uh, we talk in the book about setting expectations. And most people want to think about expectations. Well, the boss is going to tell me what's expected. Well, maybe that hasn't happened. Well, being proactive means I'm going to reach out and find that out. I'm going to help figure that out. So if you're my leader, say, so Meredith, I'd like to, I, I know that this is hard for all of us when we're not working side by side or down the hall or in the next cubicle. I'd like to know what it is that, how, how do you define success for me? In other words, what can I do to make sure that I'm absolutely delivering what you need? And after that person's jaw comes back off the floor, <laughs> they're likely going to say, man, this is a great question. Number one, they may not know the answer, but setting up that conversation improves the chances that, that they can be clear enough so maybe they don't have to look. And maybe they start, if, if, because if you know exactly what to deliver, and you're delivering against that, it's, high, it's much less likely that they're going to feel the need to look over your shoulder virtually. So I, I think you just need to be proactive and, and work to understand what their expectations, what their measures of success are, how, to, how will they know that you've been successful, mm -hmm. and, and get that understood, and then say, and so it's not only the what, but now that we're remote, it's the how are we going to do that. So, okay, Meredith, Ms. Boss, uh, what do I need to do in terms of how I communicate with you, how we deliver that, what else do I need to know so that I can absolutely be delivering and make your job easier because you've got one less thing to worry about. That's notice the last thing I did was I helped them. I'm asking because I need it. And I'm asking in part because I want you to quit micromanaging me. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going at it from that perspective. I'm going at it from if, how can I help you? Meredith. And you're helping me a whole lot by making it clear, but notice the way I did it. I didn't come at it in any of that way at all. I just came at it from a curious understanding it perspective and then sealed the deal by letting them know that you want to help them make their job easier. Yeah. And, and that ties in with another chapter that I really liked because you talked about mindset. And I think what you were just describing is an aspect of the mindset a person needs to have if they're going to be successful working remotely from home, it's, it's identifying what they need from their own manager. What else in terms of mindset do you feel is important for a remote worker versus somebody in an office setting? It is the, the mindset of being proactive. Mm 
the mindset of recognizing that at the end of the day, this belongs to me and taking personal responsibility. The mindset that says engagement ultimately belongs to me. It's not something that the boss does to me. It's like I make a choice to be engaged or not. So I think that those are a number of the, of the key pieces. We, that chapter is early in the book and we think it's important. If the big idea of the book is there's a difference between working from home and being a remote, uh, an effective remote team mate, then that's, that in itself is a mindset. Like, how do I view my work? Do I view my work as something I'm doing to get a paycheck? Or do I view my work as something meaningful? And how can I contribute? And so if, if you start to think about that world and, and ask yourself questions from those perspectives, you're far, far ahead of many other people. Mm-hmm. I love that. I also love these other chapters you had. Um, one was about getting the right stuff done. And, and maybe it's because uh, I can find myself getting derailed at times. My three business partners and I have worked remotely from home for nine years. So COVID didn't cause us to have to change our work routine. And yet, as I read that chapter, I thought, wow, this is, this is really important really almost no matter where anyone is, but when you don't have someone there watching you or checking in on you, you had um, four pivot questions, I think you call them, to help someone whose productivity is suffering. So talk about those questions and why do they work so well? Well, you've read the book since I have, just so you know. Uh, but let me just say that there that there's several. There are four questions that we believe are important. There are four pivots that we may need to make. If, in other words, if I'm pivoting, I'm facing this way, and I need to be facing a different direction, so I pivot. And so the idea of the pivot is: what do I need? Where where might I not be most effective right now? So the first question is. Um, where is where is my focus? There's what am I focused on right now? Is it the right things? Uh, there's a question. Uh, there's a question of priorities. Am I working on the right things at this time? There's a question of what we call the p- control pivot, which is uh, what am I doing that's influencing how other people work with me? And can I, longer than just the question, but this one deserves a little more time, uh, what, do, what am I teaching people about how to work with me? And is that serving both of us in terms of productivity? Um, I want to give you an example about that one, but let me give you the fourth question. And the fourth question is, how are my habits helping me or not? Right now, I've paraphrased all four of the questions, but the questions are about focus, prioritization, control, and habits. Those are the four. But can I go back to the control one just for one second? Oh, please, yeah. So here's an example. If if every time uh, you send me an email, we're teammates, Every time you send me an email, I immediately respond to you because I want to be a good teammate. I want to be responsive. What are you going to do the next time you have a question for me, Meredith? Send me an email. And so you're going to keep sending and I'm going to keep answering. And most of those are probably interrupting me. This doesn't mean that they're not important that I respond to you, but did they need to be responded to in the exact moment? Chances are not. So the question is, where are your frustrations and how are you actually supporting or encouraging those things by your by your responses so how do the question is then how do i take more control of my time um, for everyone's benefit not just for my own well i can i want to reinforce that because that has happened to us because denny and paula and i communicate a lot over skype in the course of the day. And it's that same example you gave with email only through Skype. 
And so what we've learned to do is just put ourselves on do not disturb when we don't want to have to deal with this real time question that might be coming in. Uh, and, and we, you know, let each other know that in advance. I'm going to be taking prime time during these hours. So if you need me, let's talk before then. And that just helps give guidelines because, you, you know, it's so true. When a question occurs to me, sometimes I'll type in the question, not thinking about, oh, what am I doing to her, to her attention or his right. attention? So in the old days, you know, when we were still in the office, you, not, you might not type, you might get up and walk down to their cube. But if you walk down there and you see they're busy, you just go back. Right? You don't, have, you don't know that now. I mean, the do not disturb, whether that's in Teams or, or Skype or, or, or Slack or whatever, using some sort of way to do that, that's certainly one way to do that. But right now, we don't have, when we're remote, we don't necessarily have those cues and clues. So like right now, you're not responding to Skypes right now, I'm assuming. You're focused on this conversation with that's me. right. I'm on do not disturb. <laughs> on do not disturb. And so the world is not going to end if you can't answer in one hour. And so for all of you who are watching or listening, your job might be that, right? Responding to customer issues. And so we're not talking to you really right now. But even for you, there's probably a, a, an hour a week, an hour a day when you need to be doing something else and you need to not need to be on the barrage. But for most of us, that's not our work. And so we need to think about how do we block our time? How do we let other people know? All of that is a part of both the prioritization and the control pivots. Mm -hmm. I just think those were very powerful questions. They got me thinking about just the way I spend my time. I will have my list of things to do, but it's easy at times to get distracted by something that comes in, whether it's an email or something else. So I thought those were really valuable. I also liked- I call those the shiny objects, right? Beware. Yes, we know those well, yes. <laughs> that can take us down a rabbit hole and take us away from whatever that priority was. So I think what, you know, the things you're tying together, this checking in with your manager to make sure you are focused on accomplishing those tasks, those projects that give tangible results that are measurable or whatever the end product is so that that individual knows you have done what it was. So we're looking at the results, not so much how exactly, how many minutes am I spending on this or on that? Yeah. I, I believe all due respect to my grandmother, Meredith, that the most dangerous four letter word in the world is busy. <laughs> yes. Busy is all about activity, not about accomplishment, right? Mm -hmm. It's about well, I, and here's the other reason it's such a dangerous word. If you're in casual conversation with somebody, you say, man, I'm really busy. What do they say? Oh, man, I know. And so we start commiserating about that. And we end up using it as an excuse for not getting something done. Man, well, I know. I know you're busy. Like, and so that's sucking us away from being ultimately productive because at the end of the day, producti productivity is about what we accomplished in the time. Like there's a numerator and a denominator. It's not just, did I get it done? A lot of people, Meredith, are getting everything done and they're killing themselves to do it. Mm -hmm. They're working till midnight because they're really not being very productive. They're just working enough hours to cover it up. Yeah. And I think that's a really key point too, is managing yourself as opposed to managing 
quote, time. And that ties in with the next, I think it was the next chapter on routines, which I also thought was excellent because I want you to talk a little bit about the power of routines. And this is true whether we're working remotely or in an office setting, but when you are working remotely, there are additional challenges that you face in terms of how to structure your day and what routines to put in place. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about what are some of the routines that you think help people stay on track? Well, I don't want to be too prescriptive about here's what your routine should be, but I will say you need to have them. And when you went to the office, you had some routines automatically, like they may not have been the best ones, but you had them. And, and here's why routines are so helpful because when we're doing something in routine, we're not having to use our conscious mind, right? You're not thinking about how you brush your teeth. And so you're not using conscious effort, conscious time uh, to do that task. And so routines allow us to delegate things to our subconscious, which is far more powerful, and allow our conscious to be focused on other stuff. So when we were going to the office, you know, you got up and you probably took a shower, did some other things, and then you left, so there was some like beginning of the day stuff that happened before you went to work. And once you didn't have to go to work, some of that didn't necessarily exist. So we have a lot of people that are struggling and ex- feeling exhausted. And, and I'll leave out the COVID layer. I mean, there's a whole bunch of just the COVID stuff here. Mm-hmm. Leave that out. And we can come back there if you want. But just otherwise, people working remotely that haven't gotten some of these things in place or haven't thought about them, they're just exhausted because they're having to consciously think about everything rather than putting some things into autopilot in routines. And in the book, we talk a lot about, especially about beginning of the day and end of the day routines, which got taken away before and, you know, or got all got immediately changed drastically that we need to re- reinstitute now. So when you think about clients that you've worked with, what are some of the routines that you've seen some of the most successful ones put into place? Not, and not being necessarily prescriptive, like you said, but just having some general ideas of what, what do they do to make sure they've got a beginning and an end of their day and instead of it streaming out till midnight, for example. Well, I will, yeah, I'll say a couple things. Um, again, I think you, everyone has to figure that out because everyone's home situation, for example, is different. What do you need to do and all of those sorts of things are you an exerciser or you're a morning exerciser or an evening exerciser? But I will say this, if you are or aspire to be someone who exercises, get it in the calendar, get it in the routine. And I think that's something that successful people do. Right. If you, um, I remember long ago when I commuted, this is a long time ago when I commuted on the BART train in San Francisco, in the Bay area, uh, my morning routine included the, the 45 minutes on the train where I was reading. So if your commute before had time where you were reading or you were listening while you were commuting and now you're missing that, like, when am I going to put that back in? Successful people are thinking about that and putting that back in. In terms of team routines, depending on the nature of your work, many organizations, many leaders have implemented short daily morning huddles. So we're going to get together, we have a quick huddle. Everyone sort of knows when the start of the day is, all that sort of thing. And so if, you know, we don't have time to really dive into huddles, and, and we don't use one on our team, but they can be very effective for many people. The other thing I'll say about routines is everyone on the team should really pretty much know when everyone else is starting their day so that we're not uh, impinging on people or sending emails 
and uh, leaving them feeling like they ought to be responding when they're not really started yet. So be, be mindful and aware of those things in terms of helping each other with your routines. And, you know, I think as I'm pondering that, I think it's important not to judge others. You know, I think sometimes we can have a standard of how we structure our day and why can't this person do that? Or do you see folks struggling with those kind of questions? So when we don't, human beings, when we don't know, we make it up. And when we make it up, we don't, we usually make it up in our favor, not in, you know, and we, and we, 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 we tend to ascribe negative intent to others. So if, if you're a leader, encourage your team members to share sort of what their daily, uh, not they don't share the details of their routine while I get up and then I take a shower every third day or whatever. Like, but um, please, at least every third day, right? But um, I know we don't have the smell that comes through the webcam, but nonetheless. Um, but the point is, the more that people know about how things are working for each other, the better off we are. So for example, I have a member of my team who used to be, um, three o'clock was a really good time for her and I to have conversations because that was right before she went and got her kids off the bus. Right now there's no bus. Three o'clock is not a good time right now. If she and I hadn't talked about that and I start sending emails or messages or Slack messages or whatever, instant messages to say, Hey, can we chat like around three o'clock and she's no longer responding to me, then where might my head go? Lack of information, I assume the worst, right? So the more that we share that with each other, uh, not the details of things, but to have some knowledge about that so that people can uh, ascribe at least benign intent, if not actually positive intent, the better chance we have with all that. Yeah, that's such a good point. You've brought up so many great, great points, Kevin. And I really hope everyone will read your book, but I know there are other things that probably really important to your mind and heart that you wanted to convey. What have I not asked you about that you feel this is such a key point in our book? I don't know that. I mean, you know, we've talked about a lot of things that are quite tactical, right? And there's a lot in this book that's very tactical, but I love that you mentioned about the mindset chapter, because I do believe at the end of the day, that's super important. And so getting your mind right about how you're going to do this and how you want to contribute to this team to help this team be ultimately successful is in your best interest, both today and in the future. And the one thing we, the other thing we didn't really talk about at all, which is fine, is the the fact that many people are viewing this book as a career book, right? Like how do I get myself uh, ready for my next assignment while I'm not seeing everybody every day. Uh, there's all sorts of ideas in here that help you do that. This book applies to you, whether you're a full-time remote team member, whether you are uh, a, on a contract, whether you're uh, you know, a gig worker, it doesn't really matter. Um, all of us, regardless of that employment situation, are wanting to do the best we can now to set ourselves up for the future. And I think there's a lot in this book that helps people, regardless of where they are, right? Um, hourly, salary, full-time, part-time, in the office some of the time or not, gig worker, the whole thing. Um, all of those things matter. And, and, and I think the ideas here matter across all those situations. 
Well, I think one of the real appeals of your book is it is very tactical because you get very specific with folks on, you know, how to deal with specific situations. And another area we didn't really get into were the whole interpersonal skills. You know, when you need to give someone feedback, uh, whether it's positive or, or, or constructive, you know, what's a good way to do that when you are working remotely? I like the fact that you anticipate or have helped clients work through a lot of these situations. And so you really know from a deep level what works and what doesn't. That's one of the chapters that I'm really pleased is there. I mean, you've written books, you know, that sometimes you have to say, okay, like, you know, how long and what's in and what's not in. And we could teach a lot more, write a lot more than we did. Um, and, and when I both felt like, you know, there's an awful lot of books on leadership that have a chapter on feedback, but not enough books for everybody else that have that. And it's even harder now that we're not down the hall right? Not seeing each other all the time and can't have that conversation face to face across the desk. So we felt that was important to include. While many people might not see that as a reason to buy the book, I hope that many people will say that was one of the most valuable chapters to me when it was all said and done. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because when you think about it, how we interact with others, uh, when we need to deliver information about something they said or did, that didn't work for us, that created a problem for us. We need a way to do it that doesn't engender defensiveness or, you know, pushback because we need to be able to communicate these things. And it's not, well, you know, my business partner, I wrote a book on communication skills and it's, and the reason you and I need to write these books is because our school systems are not doing a good job of teaching people these skills and the parents don't always have them either because they haven't been raised with them. So healthy interaction skills are critical uh, and a critical aspect of working well in a remote setting. You've got to be able to express what you need. Or if you have, uh, you know, if you are a teammate and you've got a manager who is not being clear with you, the ability and the courage to ask questions, to clarify, to push back somewhat in order to deliver what's needed. It's really important to be able to do that, not take a passive approach. So I love that one of your P's is proactivity. I think that's really critical. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, this is a very important book, and I am excited that it will be available about the time that this interview goes live. So, Kevin, your book is going to be available on Amazon. Everywhere fine books are sold. Everywhere fine books are sold. And, you know, you can just go to longdistanceteammate.com, longdistanceteammate.com. We point you any place you want to go. We'll have lots of other stuff there uh, available to you, and the book has some online resources, bonus resources that you haven't seen yet because they're not up there yet. But there's some, the book mentions in several places, some additional content that goes beyond the book itself. And all of that is also available there once you have a copy of the book. So longdistanceteammate.com. Thank you. That's great. And I really want to encourage my listeners. I was lucky to be able to read a preview copy of it so I could know some good questions to ask you today, Kevin. And I know you are just such a wealth of 
knowledge. And as I mentioned in your intro, you've written, you know, this prolific blog over the years. How can people connect with you and learn more about the services that you provide for leaders and organizations? Well, thank you for that, the chance to, to answer that question. So first of all, if you can spell my name, Kevin Eikenberry, E-I-K-E-N-B-E-R-R-Y, you can find us, uh, kevineikenberry.com. You can find my blog from there. Uh, you can find links to all of our other products and services from kevineikenberry.com. Uh, and, you know, if you want to ask us a question, you can certainly do that from there. But just go to LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to be connected with you there. Uh, just reach out and say, hey, I, I saw you with Meredith, and I'd like to be connected. So whether you want to ask a question, just be connected to the, to the stuff that we share on LinkedIn. I'd love that and be happy to be connected with you. And talk about your podcast, because you've had your own podcast for quite some time. Well, so we've had a podcast for, let's see, as we record this, I think yesterday I recorded episode number 250 of, of conversations like this one, where I'm on the other side of the mic. Um, and it's the Remarkable Leadership Podcast, and you can see all the past episodes that get connected uh, by going to remarkablepodcast.com. Great. Well, Kevin, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being with me today and sharing your brilliance, really, with my listeners, because you have so many important insights from your decades of experience working with leaders and teammates and organizations. And thank you. Yes, uh, we've been at this both for a long time. So I uh, have a lot of respect for not just what you've learned, but what you are sharing with others in important ways like your recent book. So thank you. Thank you so much, Meredith, for those kind words and for having me on the show. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, Grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.